This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Driving to church these days is, is quite exciting. If we drive down this road, it's like traversing a minefield. And uh, some of those, those uh, potholes are massive. A few times I've been, I've been driving to church over the last week or two, and, and every second time I drive down, there's one or other car on the, next to the road trying to fix a tire after hitting that one massive pothole. But there's like potholes everywhere. So uh, it it's really is exciting. So I was in Cape Town um, last week, and so I was driving there in Durbanville area, which is normally like a lawny place and everything. And so I was driving around, and, I, 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 and then I saw a pothole. I was shocked. I was like, oh, just suddenly felt at home. Like I was back in East London, felt warm and fuzzy on the inside. It was like, oh, there's a pothole. So no, the Eastern Cape is definitely trying to take things next level. Eh? Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, quite philosophical about it. I think normally when things start to fall apart, that's normally an invitation for God to show up. Okay, so the Lord is setting us up in the Eastern Cape for one massive revival. And potholes being filled in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> okay, so um, so quick question over the like, over the last few seasons or so, who at times get you get worked up because of our infrastructure that seems to be falling apart? Just want to check because I am raising my hand to Jesus. Okay, so I want to so I'm speaking to the right people today because I want to help you. Okay, I'm going to help you navigate not only the potholes but also the health of our hearts. And uh, I, I want to share with you um, a few things. So we were in the series of honor, okay? So this is the sixth message on becoming honorable, okay? That's the aim. We want to be an honorable people because God is ultimately honorable. He is our example. We want to be like him, okay? So um, I wasn't here last week, um, but Jean-Pierre was, was preaching, and I, I watched his message on, say, on Thursday, and tjo, I was... I got really emotional at the last part, um, just the things that he said and the way that he honored me. It wasn't planned. It was just, I don't know why I got so emotional, but I almost felt like I, I received healing in my heart. Um, you know, when you're following Jesus and you want to see his kingdom come, you know, you can be often misunderstood. And it was just for me just amazing to to have someone like him just really, just to know that he's got my back. This is amazing, guys. That's it's it's really is special, and uh, <laughs> and I know and I know many of us we're standing together. It's awesome, but it was just so beautiful for him to say those things. And yeah, so I was I was I was weeping on Thursday, just like you know, um, just really felt God touch my heart. But I tell you, there's something in this virtue called honor. And even like he honored me and that brought healing to my heart. In the same way, we can, we can bring healing to one another's hearts, to one another's lives through not just being neutral, but actually moving into the positive and say, Hey, 
I believe in you. I back you. I see what's in you. And we can call it forth. I tell you, God is doing incredible things. I don't have time now to go into all the details, but I was ministering in Cape Town at Shofar Brockenfell last week, and I was blown away. The measure, the level of God moving. It was the church was one way on the Saturday morning, and by Sunday lunchtime, it was a different church. Massive shift, mind-boggling miracles. Hopefully I'll share about that in the future. But it was, it was astounding. And I was like, you. I'm like, why do I qualify? Why do I qualify for this measure of grace upon my life? And, and, and it's part of what I want to share today. If you and I want to walk in the authority of God, if we want to see his kingdom come, we need to embrace what I want to share with you guys today. And it ultimately comes back to this, how we handle ungodly leadership. How we handle harsh and ungodly leadership. It's the ultimate test of our lives. Because it's easy to honor an honorable leader. But it's really hard to honor ungodly, even corrupt leaders. I mean, should we? Should we? <laughs> so I'm going to show you from the scriptures. God's way is not, is not our way. And God's ways is so profound. It's the upside down kingdom. So if you're joining us today for the very first time, this is going to be challenging. If you've been with us the whole six messages, it's going to be a little bit easier, I hope. Okay, but go watch the other five online on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, go, go through it, but allow God to build into your life this heavenly culture. But this is the ultimate test. How do you handle ungodly, harsh leadership in the home, at work? At school, in your city, in your country, in the church. How do you handle harsh leadership? Okay, so I want to help us with that. Amen. So let me pray and then we're going to jump into this. Father, thank you, Lord, that your ways are not our ways. You call us higher. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to step into the, that is, to live that ascended life in higher places in you. So, Lord, let your word mold us. Let your word lead us into your fullness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so Ephesians 2, verse 4. I received a revelation over the last week and a half. I'm just going to touch on it shortly. I will unpack it uh, in the near future. But I believe this is such a powerful word about the ascended life. There's a higher life that God calls us to live. Most of the church world stop short. They stop at verse 5 and they miss verse 6. And there's massive confusion because of that. So, so look at this, Ephesians 2 verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. So what is that? That's the gospel of salvation. You were dead? He made you alive. You turned to Jesus. You surrendered your life to him. You said, God, I'm a sinner. Please save me. Wash me clean. And so he, his Holy Spirit comes to make you alive. You were dead, but now you are alive in him. It's awesome. 
It's the gospel, the good news of salvation. But uh, many people stop there. They stop there. And they miss what the next verse says. And the next verse says, and. Come on, say and. And. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. So what is that? That's the ascended life. When you take up that place, the and raised us up. And made us sit together in heavenly places. What is that? That is walking in kingdom authority. When you're in that place, when you pray, the kingdom comes. When you speak, there's a next level authority in your words. So that's available to every one of us. But God cannot allow everybody in there unless we pass a few tests. And the biggest test that you and I can pass in life is how to handle ungodly or even harsh authority. Okay, that's the test that I believe God wants to help you and me to overcome so that we can live in the ascended life. There's other, other ways we can take up that place, but this is one of the ways that I believe we can qualify for that higher place in Christ. Okay, so the ascended life, you want to live there. So we're going to go to 1 Peter 2. We're going to look at King David's life as well in terms of how he handled harsh authority. But I first just want to lay a foundation. So let's go to Romans 13, verse 1. Uh, JP touched on this last week. It says, everyone, not someone, some of us, everyone must submit to governing authorities. And you just love that. We're already uncomfortable. Everyone must submit. What is submit? Submit isn't just obedience because I don't want to go to jail. Submit is about a heart attitude. It's about an attitude in my heart. The words I speak behind people's backs. The, the way I value somebody in authority. Because then it says, for all authority comes from God. Come on, say all. All authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Positions. So this is the focus. Position. We're in a kingdom. The king of kings, the lord of lords, the creator of the universe. He is right at the top. And then he delegates into the world his authority. So every governmental Position is of God. President, ministers, municipality, wherever, whoever, whoever is in authority position, police officer, they, they are appointed by God. And that is really challenging, especially when they seem to be corrupt, some of them, at certain times. So that makes it really, really challenging. Message, but for all Authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. In other words, if I honor their position, I honor God. Okay, so who wants to honor God? I'm sure we all want to. Eh? We want to honor God. I mean, we would love to honor. We want to honor him. But if we, yeah, some people would say like, I am only accountable to God. 
through no other man, no other person. Well, now if you can read the scriptures, you'll find out that there's a certain way that God functions. And they, that he appoints all authority. And he's saying, well, if you submit to the authority that I have appointed, you are submitting to me, to God. If we want to honor God, we need to honor the authorities appointed by God. And this is for everyone. Everyone. Doesn't matter who that is. Now, the challenge is, it's easy to honor godly leadership. The test comes in when it's not. When it's ungodly leadership, maybe harshly, maybe corrupt leadership, that is a massive test. But I believe if we want to live in that ascended place in God, we need to catch this. I was praying this morning. I was asking the Lord, Lord God, what are you doing today? And I felt the Lord say, I'm releasing understanding of my kingdom to my people. So you need to catch the heart. You need to catch the vision. As we've been saying in the series, God, most of the things that God does, he does it through people. He works through people. He works through church leaders. He looks, works through our spouse. He works through uh, uh, a, a manager, a boss, somebody in authority. He works through people. The question is, are we going to receive his gifts or are we going to miss it? So let's continue. 1 Peter 2, verse 17. It says, honor all people. My goodness gracious, all, God, you don't mean like South Africa, all in South Africa. You must be kidding me. All, come on, say all, just to make sure you're getting this. Honor, all, value all people. They all, every person is made in the very image of God. What is our mission in life? Our mission is to reach others for Christ. We cannot reach others if we despise them. We cannot reach them if we think that we're just wicked, evil, horrible people. So go away. Go to hell. No. We are called to love them like God loves them. He says honor, value, respect all people. And then it says love the brotherhood. Love, love the church. Love the people of God. Yes, we love community. Special, extra special place that church community should have in heart. Then it says, fear God. In other words, reverence. Have a holy reverence for God. In other words, we should tremble at his word. We should like, well, if God says I must honor even this kind of leadership, I'm going to do it because I have respect for him. I honor God. So it says, fear God. That's the key. Holy reverence for God's ways, God's kingdom. Therefore, I can honor even corrupt leadership. And then it says, honor the king. Honor the king. Now, who's that king? Before I share who that king is, I want to highlight this. We've been speaking about this. Life flows through honor. Life. If you want life, if you want the life of Christ, the life of the kingdom to flow into your life. Life flows through honor. When we honor the people around us, especially when we honor leadership, then life flows through that. But the opposite is also true. Devastation flows through dishonor. I'm going to show you in a moment. Devastation. The breaking down of relationships flows through dishonor. And then also... Another aspect, life flows through honor, but promotion comes from honoring authority. 
I would say next level promotion flows through honoring ungodly leadership. So do you want promotion in the kingdom? Do you want to live the ascended life? Do you want God to be to trust you with more? Then you and I need to catch this. Promotion comes from honoring authority, especially ungodly authority. Okay, so three things. Why honor ungodly leaders? Let's put it on the slide. Number one, we honor God. Because we honor their God-given position. So when you honor an ungodly leader, you're actually honoring God because you're honoring their position. Okay? I'm going to honor. I'm going to value. I'm going to respect. I'm going to speak about you with, uh, with respect. I'm going to treat you with respect because I'm actually honoring God. First one. Second one. We open the door for God to intervene. So quick question. What would you like? Would you want to fight your battles in your own ability? Or would you like God to intervene on your behalf? Option B, right? Looking at our country, I don't know where to start. God help us. Are we going to able to solve our problems in our own ability? I don't think so. We need to open the door for God to show up. So what if you and I would be different than this culture, this world, and we would choose to honor those in those positions of authority so that we can open the door. It's like the song we sang. You're welcome here. (laughs) I'm going to honor. You're welcome here. You open the door for God to intervene. And then thirdly, we position ourselves for kingdom promotion. Is this easy? Nope, not easy. You need God to help you. But I've, I've seen this in my own life. I have seen that the times that I chose to honor ungodly, even harsh leadership, is like, on, on the one hand, I grew in character. <laughs> I, I experienced the, the fire of God within me, molding me, forming me, changing me. And I experienced, ultimately, I believe, promotion, God intervening in my life because I was willing to honor God. Because you need to catch this. And if we, if we miss these opportunities, we find ourselves in a, in a dangerous place. So, I mean, in our culture, we would normally say, respect is earned. I'm not going to respect you if you don't deserve it. Eh? I mean, that's how we think in any area. But in the kingdom of God is different. We respect unconditionally because of someone's position in the kingdom or in society because all authority is of God. So respect isn't, isn't, isn't earned. It is given. Obviously, it's wonderful when somebody <laughs> earns it. But this is the kingdom test of living the ascended life. Okay, so it said there, honor the king. Who's that king? Well, some say that is speaking of Herod Agrippa. So Herod Agrippa, the king, at that time, he killed James the Apostle, Peter's friend, the Apostle Peter. I mean, Peter's writing this, is one Peter. So his friend was beheaded by this king. And Peter was also um, arrested put in jail, and the king wanted to execute him as well. And then the saints prayed, angel went forth and led Peter out of jail. Peter is saying, 
honor the king. Wow, that's insane. But why? Because when we honor, when we value, when we respect, even though somebody might be ungodly, even harsh, even wicked, you open the door for God to intervene. So look at this, Acts 12, 21. This is where God intervened with King Herod Agrippa. Acts 12, 21, it says, So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God, not of a man. Verse 23, then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. He didn't correct the people. He took that honor for himself instead of honoring God. So because he did not give glory to God and was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. That's so profound. So first of all, we're not believe, trusting that God's going to kill people. Okay. I'm just wanting to reveal that even though they are wicked people or corrupt leaders, they cannot stand in God's way. The word of God will grow. It will multiply. The kingdom will come. But the question is, will we fight in the flesh or will we have God intervene for us? Because if we are just being like the rest of the society in the world and we're negative and we're complaining, we're unbelieving and we basically curse our leaders or curse the people in the country, then ultimately we like, God's like, you're on your own. I can't help you. A dishonoring culture will keep God from moving. Let's be different. Come on, let's say it. I'm going to be different. Amen. Amen. Because we've got so many potholes in this city. We need God to intervene. Amen. <laughs> we need God to intervene. Double portion. Hallelujah. So 1 Peter 2 verse 8. Again, now if you go read 1 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's so much being spoken about honor and submission. It's, it's, it's an amazing um, chapter. And it says that they stumble being disobedient to the word. To which they also were appointed. So it says there are some, they stumble because they're missing God's heart. They're missing God's word. They don't understand how the kingdom is designed. So they stumble and fall. They stumble. I want to help you guys. I want to help all of us to not stumble. Let's be obedient to the word, even though it does not make sense. But I want God to intervene. And so I've seen this principle work out over the years. I've seen church leaders who've sown seeds of dishonor, which produced a harvest of humiliation. And it's quite scary. You see, short term, you don't see the impact. Short term, you can get away with it. You can even get promoted short term through dishonor and rebellion. You can. But over the long haul, you see the seeds that have been sown, they, they bear a harvest of humiliation. And sometimes we just see the newspaper so you don't get the backstory. But I know of a, of a pastor um, in Cape Town area. He was a youth pastor at a relatively large church and gifted man, anointed. But he dishonored his leadership. And then he broke away, started his own church, and he took a whole bunch of the leaders and technical people and, uh, with him. But the way that he did it was just terrible. 
dishonoring the leadership. It really wounded the leadership. Short term, that new church he started and the network, it rocked. It was like thousands and thousands of people came. It looked like super successful, looked like the hand of God was upon them. But he somehow missed his process of growth, of character building, of humbling himself before his previous leaders and doing it the right way. He sowed seeds of dishonor. End result, that man committed adultery. He lost his job. The church fell apart. His own mother committed suicide because of the shame of what her son did. Scary. A harvest of humiliation because of the seeds of dishonor that was sown. I'm sharing this because I want We need the fear of God upon our lives. We need a holy reverence to be aware. What am I sowing? What seeds am I sowing? A little bit closer to home, a church here in town. Again, I'm sharing it from my perspective and from what I have heard from those who were involved. I'm sure there are different perspectives on this. But the the founder of a church here in town, uh, he was sort of worked out by the leadership or the elders and and, and so he left East London. And so the overseeing church group sent a pastor to come and facilitate the reconciliation process. So they sent this man to come and to facilitate reconciliation so that the founder can come back again and lead the church. That was the plan. That was the directive. And then within a year or two, this leader decided, no, I want to lead the church. So he broke away from the overarching network. And dishonored the leadership. He said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. That's what I hear. And so a few years later on, the founder of the church um, came to East London. He flew in. He went to the pastor's office. And he read a letter. He said, you've dishonored me. You've dishonored God. And you better repent or there will be, there will be trouble. Fast forward a few years, that pastor committed adultery, lost his job, and I hear last year he committed suicide. The only reason I'm sharing this is because I want you to see it. Seeds of humiliation or, or seeds of dishonor will lead to a harvest of humiliation. And God is faithful. He will always give us opportunities to repent. He'll give us opportunities to turn. But if we lack the fear of God and we keep on sowing seeds of dishonor, we keep on sowing seeds of dishonor, the result is you will reap a harvest of humiliation. And I'm like, God, I want to be an honorable man. I want to be different than the culture. I want to be different than general church culture. God, I will. I want to, I want to be an honorable man. I want to understand how the kingdom works. I want to honor those of you placed in authority. Because God, I want to, I want to know you. And I want to live the ascended life. And I'm sure every one of us wants to as well. So, so even in, the, in our church family, um, one of my friends, Heinrich, is the leader of the Shofar churches. I mean, we're friends. We've been friends for 20 plus years. He's my buddy, you know. So we can joke around the fire. We're brying. We, say we have fun, whatever. But he is my leader. So I tell you, I have the fear of God in my life. When we are in meetings or when I speak about him or when we talk about things, I'm like, God has appointed him and the the seeds I sow could lead to division and those seeds of dishonor could lead. So I'm out of the fear of God. I mean, I'm, I back him. I believe in him and I better watch my words. 
And I know God will then bless that. But we need to understand how these things work. It doesn't mean you can't disagree. It doesn't mean that you can't say, hey, I think we should do it differently. It's just the way that we treat or the way we speak, the way we relate to those in authority. It, it is massive. So seeds of dishonor will produce a harvest of humiliation. Life flows through honor. Devastation flows through dishonor. So if we sow seeds of dishonor, I've seen this with other people as well. Church leaders sowing seeds of dishonor in their environments. And then years later, the marriage falls apart. Now, because the wife is now dishonoring the husband, but he has been sowing seeds of dishonor for years. It really comes back to bite us. Galatians 6, 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So that's my question. What are we sowing? What are we saying? I know this is countercultural. I know this is completely different to our society. In our society, we feel we can say what we want to say. We can do what we want to do. But I tell you, you will not have authority in the kingdom of God unless we catch this heart. What are we sowing in our city? What are the words we speak? What are, what, are, what are we sowing in our homes? What are we sowing in our workplaces? What are we sowing in the words we speak or in our actions? I'm like, God, I want to sow seeds of life. Amen. Come on, say it. I, I want to sow seeds of life. Amen. 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 I'm tr- trusting you're going to catch this. I know this is super countercultural, but it will set you up for kingdom promotion. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And this speaks so beautifully of we, as the people of God, we are different. It says, but you are a chosen generation. You're chosen. Out of all the peoples of the world, God has chosen you to be different. It says, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. And others, we are royalty. We're different. Royalty speaks of honor. Royalty, they're different. They're not just commoners. They're we are royalty. Okay, come on, say that. We're royalty. Royalty. A holy nation. That means set apart, different. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he calls you out of darkness into marvelous light. The, when we're in darkness, that's where dishonor reigns. Dishonor. Devalue the people around us. Speak to our spouse or to our children or to our parents in dishonoring ways. Disregarding one another. Treating somebody else as if they're not worthy and not valuable. God says, no, you're in the light. You are different. Come on, say it. I am different. Different. We're different. And when we are different, when we're in the light, then we can be honorable people. Tell you, when you you and I are honorable, then you open the door for God to move mightily. Amen. So let's walk in the light. I want to use this as an example. King David, before he became king, he went through hell. The most difficult test that he went through. So King Saul, the king before David, he was appointed by God. God chose Saul, but Saul lost his way. He became a corrupt leader, evil leader. This King Saul, he killed 80 plus priests, their wives, and their children. That's evil. I don't know of any leader in our country that's done that. But this man is 
evil. And then he became jealous of David and he started to hunt David. So David fled and then Saul and like 3,000 soldiers, they would hunt David. He was hunted for between 12 to 14 years. He lost, David lost everything. Couldn't go back to his family. His wife was given to another man. He lost everything, yet he had a prophecy that you're going to be the next king of Israel. So he's like, he knew he's going to be king. But, it, it, but yeah, this ungodly man is hunting him, pursuing him. He's a madman on a mission to destroy him. So how do you handle that? What do you do with that? David responded in a way that's just mind-blowing, mind-boggling. He had an understanding of the kingdom of God. And if he took things into his own hands, he probably could have been king like 10 years earlier. He could have just have killed Saul. But I tell you, he would not have experienced generational blessing. So let's look at this, David's response. So, so Saul was hunting him, uh, 3,000 men. David and his guys were at the back of a cave Hiding away, Saul didn't know this. And so Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And David and his men was in the back looking at this and like, come on. This is our moment. God has handed him over to us. So 1 Samuel 24 verse 4. It says, then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you. Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as, as seems good to you. Makes sense. There he is. This is your opportunity. You cannot take him out. But look at David's will. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He dropped his robe to relieve himself, I presume. And then he cut off a part. And then verse 5. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. His heart troubled him for cutting off the corner of his robe. I would think you would just cut off his head. He's destroying the nation. He's a corrupt, evil madman. David, take him out. David was not afraid of killing people. But he was like, no, I shouldn't have done that. He is the Lord's anointed. Verse 6, and he said to his men, the Lord forbid, the Lord forbid. You see the fear of God, the Lord forbid. This is about God. David had intimacy with God. David understood the kingdom of God. And he said, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. Your master is Yemol. The Lord's anointed, but he's corrupt, he's evil, he's wicked. To stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed Lord. God has appointed him, right? Romans 13, 1. All authority is of God. God has appointed them. God has delegated authority to those leaders. So verse 7. So David restrained his servants with his words. And did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave. And went on his way. David was called a man after God's own heart. I believe this is one of the reasons. He understood kingdom dynamics. He understood that no. He's not going to do rebellion. No. He's not going to take things into his own hands. He's going to open the door. That if God wants to bring judgment. Then God can do that. But he is going to honor even this evil Man. Then verse 8. So David also arose afterwards. So Saul was walking out of the cave. And then David came behind from a distance. And he said, and went out of the cave and called to Saul saying, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and he bowed down. 
That's incredible. And they said, see, I could have killed you. My heart is not against you. And it's amazing. Saul was so convicted. You can go read it at home, the rest. But he was so convicted and he actually admitted, now I know you're going to be leading Israel. Now I know you're going to be king because you are acting in such an honorable way. You are true royalty. You're going to be the king. You have to see this. There is a a kingdom dynamic where God calls you and me to be royalty and honorable people that can even honor ungodly, wicked, corrupt leaders. And God is saying, that person I'm going to promote. That person I'm going to exalt. That person I can trust. And with David, he not only became king, he received this incredible blessing, generational blessing, where, where God said, I will bless your coming generations. Your sons will be, will be kings for generations to come. Even the Messiah will be called the son of David. It's massive. This is massive. And the other kings, they were killing one another, and there was just chaos, and then it rained for two years, and they'd be dead, and then these cycles of destruction because of rebellion. But David had an understanding of the kingdom, and God ultimately judged Saul, and, and he was killed in battle. But we need to honor authority, especially harsh authority. Look at this, 1 Peter 2, 18 to 19. The original context would be like in a slave scenario, in a New Testament context, it looks like this. It says, servants. Employees, students, be submissive to your masters with all fear, to your boss, teacher, all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. New Living Translation says, the cruel, my goodness, come on, say harsh. It's like, what the heck, God, are you like, are you saying I should allow abuse? It's not saying that. It doesn't mean you can't have boundaries. It doesn't mean you can't say, hey, you stop shouting at me. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you, must, you should position yourself in a place of abuse. But if you're in an environment that is challenging and maybe a boss that could be um, harsh, don't leave until God says it's time to leave. Allow the work of God in your heart. It's the character building process. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because that will determine your authority in the kingdom of God. I have gone through that at times. And this was, it was my taste. This is for all of us. This is our taste. Verse 19, for this is commendable. God says, this is commendable. I am proud of you. I am proud of you. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. When we honor harsh leadership, we set ourselves up. For kingdom promotion. Amen. Uncomfortable? Yes. But so powerful. Such a beautiful invitation. So all leaders bring a gift with them. Godly, honorable leaders, they carry a beautiful gift of anointing and rewards in the spirit. But I tell you, cruel or ungodly or corrupt leadership also bring us a gift. One of the gifts is godly character. Hallelujah. Godly character, my ticket to glory. Amen. Come on, say it. My ticket to glory. Amen. 
Come on, next time you see somebody, a leader, a boss, or a teacher, or somebody that's freaking you out, just see a ticket to glory. Ticket to glory. Come on, ticket to glory. This is the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I don't want short-term success. I want generational blessing. I want my children's children's children to still serve the Lord with all their hearts. Amen. Think longer term and don't fall for the lies of the enemy. Embrace this kingdom dynamic. Dishonor leaders and ultimately you will experience dishonor yourself. Life flows through honor. Devastation flows through dishonor. When we honor ungodly authority, you set yourself up for promotion in the kingdom. So what are you sowing? What are you sowing? Last verse. I'm going to end up with this. 1 Peter 3, verse 1 to 2. Oh, I know, ladies. It's like, no. Don't go there. But we have to. It's in the Bible. I want to help you. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Submissive, meaning heart, attitude, the way you speak, speak with respect. Doesn't mean you have to always have to do what is said, but it's an attitude, a heart attitude. This is that even if some do not obey the word, that's the test. Eh? That means ungodly. That means not very honorable. Even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. It's like this. Submission equals duck. Just duck. It's just like duck. In other words, when you choose to honor ungodly authority, even if it's your husband, you are actually just Ducking, you're getting out of the way so that God can come through and give a nice clop. Sort yourself out, boy. Come on. That's how it works. And Sonica is just brilliant at ducking. She's a master at ducking. She's always ducking. She's halfway ducking. I'm already like, oh, Lord, sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to sort myself out. Um, You have to catch this. This is beautiful. It's like trying to fix your husband in your own ability or you get out of the way and you allow God to come in. Allow God to come in. We all have to submit to some form of authority in some area of our lives. Duck. And let God intervene. Amen. My heavenly father is also my father-in-law. So yo. Sonic is his daughter, and he's got a big shotgun. It's like, Andre, you better treat her well or else, okay? So, guys, we must up our game and love well and honor our wives well and hear their hearts. But we all need to position ourselves in the right space. If we sow seeds of dishonor in the home, the home will disintegrate. Let's sow seeds of honor. Let God intervene on your behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.